You've already goofed it up once, Frank. It's a new week. It is a new week. <laughs> Didn't remind me to hit the button. Yeah, I, I forget that I'm fixing to have to read. <laughs> Welcome to Get the Facts Jack, a weekly podcast from Jack County, Texas, sharing factual information to the citizens of Jack County. I am your host, Judge Brian Keith Humphreys, and to my left, no other than the vaccination king, oh man, Frank Efner, emergency management coordinator. We, we did it. We we did, but I don't know about being the king. There's other people that do more than we did, but you could be. We the did shot enough. King. I tell you, we did. We did enough. I'm over it. And um, we, uh, well, I tell you, we uh, we were able to take care of our county and work out a. Work out a few other. I think we took we care of the county and half of Dallas Fort Worth area. We uh, we went and helped some people in the Metroplex too. Showed them how it need to be done. I saw a whole so, lot of people that weren't from Jack County Thursday and Friday. You know, we had a, a I guess Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We had a, we had a mass influx into Jacksboro, and if anybody doesn't know where Jacksboro's at, they know where it's at. They now. do now. They yeah. do. We had people from McAllen, Texas drive up here to get a oh. vaccine shot. Enid, Oklahoma. Our 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 farthest one day trip was from Red River, New Mexico. New Mexico. The individual somehow found about our vaccination clinic. They drove in their full time RVers and they came in just to get the vaccination. They came in and they turned around and went back to New Mexico. And they did not have nice things to say about New New Mexico at all. I don't know. I've heard a lot of. I'll be honest with you. I've through through this whole process. Whether um, I've heard nothing but Adelaide's about the clinic that we have run, and that's a uh, that that is an accomplishment through a whole lot of entities. Yeah. That well, have come together. It proves what people can do if you work together. That's right. You know, you've got Faith Community Hospital under the direction of. Uh, Mr. Beeman, and then also Dr. Robert Cooper, mm -hmm. Chief of Staff, Mike Smith, uh, Chief Haynes mm -hmm. of the Jacksboro Police Department, um, Mr. Milam, Mr. London, help me with Perrin. Uh, Mr. Gilmore. Mr. Gilmore. Um, my gosh. I mean, it's just not only just those entities within itself, but um, but then you look at uh, the cooperation that's come in with, with – uh, Caitlin over at the City Drugs. With City Drugs, and, exactly. You know everything that she's got that's a, that's been acquired through her and and her entities. Um, all of that's just come together, and we've brought it together and just it distributed it out to who's needed it. Not only just in our county, but those who are willing to drive in and and. It's a good week. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three day clinic. We uh, received 960 Pfizer vaccinations, all administered. Actually, a thousand. We got extra doses. Oh, did we really? Yes, we did. Through that, you know that that's a huge success. We pushed we a had, thousand Pfizer doses. Well, then we had 320 um, Moderna Modernas. on Saturday morning, and then we had Johnson and Johnson. 300 of those. So we had over 1,600 and something. Correct shots. Correct. By end of business Saturday. Correct. And that's. Most of those were first doses. First doses. Johnson & Johnson is a one-shot, and that was our first chance. And, and it's um, it's not out there very much. It's it's becoming more widely available. Right, but and that was a surprise to us because we didn't know we were getting. Yeah. Just all of a sudden, state says, here, you're getting it the next day. Move it. Yeah. And, 
That's we're fixing to start doing second dosage. Right. But it, so. it's it's time to move forward and get back to business as usual. Right. And so I, I'm I'm so glad that our moving forward, I hope we don't have to have topics of COVID or vaccination. Well, I think we've taken the load off of the clinics and off the pharmacy that maybe they can, instead of getting the huge influx, maybe they can start taking the, the outflows and working that through their own scheduling system now. Well, the funny story is, is last Wednesday I was uh, giving a presentation to the Lions Club and and one of my topics was the vaccination clinic. And then I made eye contact with one of our guests today, <laughs> Warden Wallace from the Lindsay State <laughs> Jail him in, huh? and MTC. And I did, I put, right in the middle of the conversation, I said, guess what? You're going to be my next guest on Get the Facts, Jack. <laughs> you, you're the next victim on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor Warden Wallace, he just kind of melted and said, oh, Judge, what have you gotten me into? But you know what, Warden, it's so good that you're here. I, thanks for being a great sport and uh, being willing to come in. And then you also have, Warden, I'm going to mess up your last name because I'm under pressure, but any other time I'd get it right. But Terry, uh, with Torque. That's right. Perfect. That's not too bad. No. I just want to make it harder than it is, but it's W-I-K-T-O-R-I-K, right? Yes, sir. Well, okay. I'll probably butcher it up the rest of the day. <laughs> just expect it. I'm just going to apologize in advance. That, that's so. fine. I'm used to it. Yeah. Well, Warden Wallace, it's great to have you here. Thank you very much. And we want to give you the opportunity to uh, spotlight what's going on at MTC. And so, man, I guarantee you, you know, the average person that probably lives in Jack County knows about the Lindsay State Jail, but they probably don't realize that uh, – what all happens out there, and that it's actually a part of the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, but then it's a subcontract mm -hmm. that MTC has and provides service. So MTC is a private company that is in that has many different uh, avenues or streams of income. Right. They do a bunch of different things well, That's and true. one of the That's things true. they do is prison system. So tell That's me a little right. bit about MTC and how you got involved with it. Well, first, I want to thank you for inviting me to your podcast. You today. bet. I, I appreciate the invitation. Warden McTwork and I have been talking about this all week. So, uh, <laughs> scared oh, well, to death. Was building it up. <laughs> Didn't yeah. sleep a wink last night. <laughs> <laughs> they were even here early. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a. I don't know about that. Let's just go. It's it's like showing up early for the dentist office. Yeah, that's yeah we're, we were just out there pacing back and forth. <laughs> yeah, back and forth. <laughs> but no, a little bit about our company. Our our company was founded in 1980. 81 by Dr. Bob Marquardt. And originally, uh, MTC was in the uh, Job Corps business, and we had Job Corps all over the United States. And since that time, you know, we've, we've gone into corrections, and, uh, you know, our medical departments are operated at some of our facilities by MTC staff. And we have some detention centers, some parole contracts. Um, and and we, we try to our, our whole philosophy is a, what we refer to as a bionic philosophy, which means, believe it or not, I care. And if you've been out to our facility, you may have seen a sign when you first drove in there that said bionic. Mm -hmm. And our yeah. staff have pins that we wear, uh, you know, that that we're proud of. And, and, and we try to display that bionic attitude not only to our coworkers but to the inmates that we have incarcerated out there as well. And we try to incorporate incorporate that into our daily lives because, you know, we should be – we should care about each other regardless of just as, as good human beings. Sure, and, absolutely. And, and what we try to do is, is we try to prepare those individuals that are incarcerated out there 
to be successful when they get out. You know, uh, like you said earlier, the facility is owned by the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, and they contracted with us to operate that facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took over that contract in uh, September the 1st of 2017, uh, so we've been there a little over three years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the, the first sentence of the mission statement for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice says that we'll provide public safety. And in my mind, what better way to do that than to change the mindset of somebody that's fixing to be reentered into society and give them the tools to be successful upon their release? Because we want them to be productive citizens of the community. You bet. You yeah. bet. How long How long is typically uh, when you get a someone coming in to your facility fixing to be released, what's their uh, two years, one year, five years? What's the What's the length of time we, we have a couple of different populations out there uh, we have what we refer to as a state jail confinee who has committed a state jail felony uh, the maximum state jail sentence is two years uh, most of those guys are there for about 180 days mm-hmm. uh, they have the opportunity to to earn what is referred to as due diligence time uh, that the judge of the sentencing court determines uh, how much of that time that person will get based on their int- institutional record and all that kind of stuff. And then we have another population that's referred to as the institutional division transfer inmates. These guys may have 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40-year sentences, but they're at the beginning of their sentence, and they're in transfer status, and they can stay in that status for up to two years. And then at, at that point, they'll go on to their permanent unit of assignment to finish out their sentence. Do most all the inmates intake at Huntsville? Is that still correct, or is that is that uh, a false statement? Well, that used to be the case, yes. Okay. Uh, but in years past, they've had some. They've built some other reception centers. Uh, there's one in Abilene. There's um, there's a few others. A couple of more in Huntsville because the intake for the state was so massive at one time uh, that they had to they had to branch out some other places. Right. How old is our facility? When was it actually constructed? 1995. Wow. Yes, sir. And so it's just a little bit, just a little bit older by a few years than, 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 than our, our LEC. County, LEC. Yeah, we're at about 13, 15, 13 14, 14 years. Yeah. We've almost paid our note off. <laughs> We've got three more payments, three more payments. I think. And three that more baby's payments mine. than ours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And we're the third contractor to operate that facility. Is that right? Yes, sir. How long does the contract usually go? Uh, it, it varies. Uh, most of the time, there's a, a base period, and then there's option years after that. So right. Wow. Typically, anywhere from six to ten years most of the time. How many How many facilities does MTC have? It's a global company. Yes, sir. I mean, it, and I don't think people really understand that I mean, they just think of this being one entity, but but you are part of a huge network of I mean, it's a it's a huge corporate operation yes, that has a lot of different feelers, and there are a lot of different things. So, yeah. how many different facilities do they manage? Well, uh, currently we have about twenty one correctional facilities, uh-huh. and then twelve prison and detention facilities that we operate. We have okay. a. Uh, a facility in in Australia that we operate. Uh, we've got some things in the UK where we work with um, the parole division there and supervision de- departments. Uh, we've got some some other uh, some other activities, I guess you would call them, that take place 
throughout the world. I yeah. mean, we're, we're always in, in, in the job of trying to better people in their lives and uh, have them so they can have better opportunity. I love the, I love as soon as you walk in to the Lindsay state jail, you do see the word bionic. And I'll be honest with you. We've met a couple of times out there and I've been on the facility once or twice and I noticed that, but I didn't quite understand what that is. But, you know, leadership starts from the top down. And it you set a standard of how you treat people. Every time I've been in that facilities, whether it's in person or by phone, it is always professional. Mm-hmm. And they go up and out of their – I mean, they go they, – the customer service is beyond you would anything you'd ever imagine uh, for a facility like that. And, and I – I think that goes to the corporate culture, but it also the two guys that I'm looking at is it's because that is their leadership quality. I see that every time you're out in the community. Yeah, we have some great employees out there. We really do. And and this recent weather event that we had just confirmed that for us. Yes, sir. Um, you know, we had employees that that felt the need to be there. That they they came to the facility and spent the night uh, several days. Really, in a row. Uh, we had other ones that that took their own personal vehicles to go pick people up and bring them back to the facility to, to help out with staffing and things. So, and, you know, Warden Wittork and, and our major, Major Collins, they, they spent numerous hours up at the facility during that event just to make sure that, that everybody, uh, including the inmate population, had everything that they needed. Right. You know, and a large percentage of your employees are from Jack County, but they're, if they're not from Jack County, they're from surrounding counties. Yes, sir. And I mean, you are a a huge employer. Uh, I think you're probably definitely in the top ten of employers for Jack County. I mean, you're a you're a corporate enterprise to Jack County. Yeah, we we staff about 195 employees out there. I would say behind the school district, you're probably close to top five. Yeah, would, would you think? I would put them within the top five. Yeah, I would think so too. I don't think the average person realizes that. I mean, usually we see your your guys probably at Alsips. They're beginning to start their shift or end their shift or on their way home. But uh, that would probably be the most interaction I think our average person yeah. would have with, with your staff members. I know you'll talk about it a little bit later on, but are you fully staffed? No, sir, not right now. No. And and we have some recruiting efforts that are currently going on. Right. Uh, we've also even uh, hired a recruiter here recently to try to um, – improve our correctional officer numbers there too. Right, so right yeah but that's a that's another big i mean it's a major industry that comes to jack county correct i mean they're definitely top five player uh whenever it comes to employees and so and and the other thing about it is is uh if you have friends or family members that are listening to the podcast it they are actively recruiting and i mean that is that is one of the things that uh I think that y'all deal with it as much as anybody else. You have turnover. And about the time that you think that you've got a great staff member in, before you know it, they're drawn into the oil and gas business and they're they're going to work somewhere else. And that has to be a challenge. And not just anybody can work there. You've you I would say that you'd probably have to have a pretty high standard um, you know, to meet the recruiting requirements. Yes, sir. There there are some, some standards that you have to meet. Uh, you know, our biggest competition at, at one point was the oil field. And, right. You know, we just couldn't compete with the salaries that they that they were able to pay. And uh, so we, we in, come up with some recruiting bonuses and some efforts that we put out there to try to draw people in. 
Uh, currently, we our new correctional officers that we hire can can earn up to a four thousand uh, dollar hire on bonus if they come to work for us. Now, in order for them to to be eligible to be a correctional officer at our facility, they have to have a a GED or a high school diploma. They can't ever have had a, a felony conviction. Right. Uh, they can't have a conviction of domestic violence or drugs. Uh, pass a drug screen. No class A convictions within the last 10 years and none, no class B within the past five years. And then we'll put them through a five-week academy. Uh, and at the end of that five weeks, they'll graduate and go on our OJT program. And then at, at some point, they'll be assigned to a shift and, and finish out their training there. Um, we currently have a, a five-week, 12-hour-a-day training academy. And while they're in that academy, they'll, they'll learn everything that they need to know uh, the policies and procedures, rules and regulations on, on how to do their jobs. Uh, and once they do that, they, they show proficiency in those things, and, and they're assigned to a shift. That's amazing. And, really it, and it's, an, it's a paid academy, you know, so they get their normal pay plus overtime whenever they get on overtime over 40 hours a week. So, you know, that's really, really good benefits. How long does it take? You said a $4,000 sign-on bonus. How long do they have to stay there for a year? They'll, they'll get those in, in stipends once they graduate okay. the, the training academy. They'll get a certain amount. Once they complete their OJT, they'll get a certain amount. Mm-hmm. Once they're there six months, they'll get some of it, and then they'll get the, the remainder of it after they've been there a year. So it's an incentive plan. Yeah. Incentive. But, you know. but once once you've been there a year, you will get the entire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. So, Warden Wartork, how did you uh, get into the uh, correctional business? How did you – were you recruited to WRMTC uh, as well? Uh, yes, sir. Um, you know, I started my correctional career in Oklahoma. I was in the military okay. in the United States Army. When I got out, they had just built a big prison, and I needed a job. And so that's that's where I started. And then um, I found out about MTC and uh, moved to the uh, Sanders Estes unit in Venus down there in Johnson County. Sure. And I worked down there for several years. And then I had the opportunity to come up here as an assistant warden. Um at, at Lindsay State Jail here in Jacksboro and jumped on it mm-hmm. and been very happy with my decision. Like like the warden said, we have a great team of correctional officers out there, correctional professionals, you know, from from the clerks all the way up to the principal, you know, all the way, you know, to, to not just the corrections, but, but all af, uh all areas of corrections. Yeah. I told you I was nervous. You, that's all right. <laughs> you you mentioned principal, and you know one of the cool things about that is is that it's it's a it's all about training mm-hmm. and education, and uh, you know providing an opportunity that to the offenders. I mean, you know it. It's not about punishment, right? Uh, you know, some people have a miss. Uh, uh, they they whenever I know you know I I deal with class A and class B misdemeanors. And uh, I want you to know that uh, whenever I send somebody to the uh, Jack County Jail for 180 days or a year uh, and fines, uh, you know, uh, we got to have something for those people to do. I mean, it's not like everybody wants to say, well, just lock them up. I mean, put them in jail. Well, then what are you going to do with them? And, I mean, they have to um, they have to be educated. They have to be encouraged to get their GED uh, you mentioned principals. I know several of your educators, mm-hmm. um, you know, that are out there. So talk a little bit about, um, you know, the educational, the opportunity, the joint efforts between 
um, you know, even our uh, local junior colleges and Texas workforce. So let us know what some sort of training or what opportunities are out there. You know, for the for the men that are incarcerated there, we we offer a ton of stuff. You know, um, we uh, we obviously do the GED and um, you know the the adult basic education, and then we also do uh, an NCCER painting and facility care. We do a computer applications, a typing master pro, open office computer applications. Um, we also partnership with uh, Weatherford College, with them and the Workforce Commission to offer a logistics program. And that logistics program is, uh, is nationally certified. Mm-hmm. You know, they get their level one and level two. And those guys, I mean, com- companies like Amazon, Walmart distribution centers, they're begging for people with a logistics background, and that's what they get. You know, and, and it's just part of our company and, and our facility culture is to, to get them, to put them back out there better than we got them, you know, yeah. and give them the, the, the tools to succeed. And so the certificate they get in the logistics class is the Manufacturing Skills Standard Council. And like I said, that's nationally registered. And, and um, we, we work really well with the local college providing that. And in um, addition to, to all the, the different educational programs and vocations that we have, uh, before the pandemic hit, we also had over 130 volunteers that yep. came out there and provided wow. services to wow. our facility. And some of those services include things like uh, a Toastmasters club. We had sure. a Toastmasters club where, you know, they could learn to, to better present themselves and do public speaking and things of that nature. And, and we also had a program that was called Bridges to Life, which uh, brought victims of crime out there to, to talk with the offenders about uh, how the, how those crimes affected mm-hmm. their lives, and mm-hmm. and then the inmate had to open up to the to the victims about why they committed those crimes, and and at the end of that fifteen week program, those those individuals were changed. That's like, humbling. Yeah, I mean, to I mean, think and, about that process. Yeah, you would see somebody that was a a drug dealer um, talk to a victim that did without as a child because their parent was addicted to a substance. And he and, and the guy that was a drug dealer says, I, I never understood that I was hurting that three-year-old kid. And it changed their entire life. Well, it changes perspective. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And, you know, a, a word that I learned whenever I was first going through the judicial process is recidivism. I didn't quite understand what that meant, but it's that the percentage of reoccurrence that this – we have a – unless we create some sort of an opportunity, there's – there's a strong chance that they're just going to be a repeat offender. Right. And it, and we need, as a society, need to do everything we possibly can to create an opportunity for those that want it right. and give them that opportunity for training, but also that understanding. I guarantee you that changes people whenever yes, they actually see a bigger picture. A lot of the offenders don't know any different. They were raised in horrible situations. Right. And I see that on the county level that it's like we look at each other and it's they just don't know any better. They don't know that their actions are wrong because their mom's doing it, their grandmother's doing it with them. And it's like, well, no wonder this young person, uh, they're just destined for failure. And and I think one of the things we need to do a better job of as a community is to do this training and to provide these opportunities. And I think it's great to hear, my gosh, if somebody can't get involved in that, they don't want to do anything, right. you know? And and to add on to what Warden Wallace said, you know, those volunteers also provided a lot of substance abuse classes, you know, AA, NA, 
um, thinking for a change, um, celebrate recovery. Mm-hmm. And also That's huge. Yeah. And so successful. Yeah. And would offer father's classes and, and marriage counseling for the, for the, you know, wives that were visiting the offenders, you know, and, and how to build their relationship and maybe stop some of the bad stuff that was going on before they went in. So, I mean, it, it was, it, it was definitely great. It's amazing. Now, you had mentioned that this is your company, MTC's 40th year anniversary. Yes, sir. Wow. So y'all have been in this this business for a while. Mm-hmm. 40 years is is something to brag about. And so what type of activities are going on to celebrate those 40 years? Well, you know, one of the things that, that we want to do as a company is, is always give back to the community, but especially on our 40-year anniversary. We're, we've, we've broken the year down into quarters, and each quarter we're going to provide um, something that we can give back to the community. And the, the first quarter was, was geared around literacy. And we're coming to the end of that, that first quarter. We've had a book drive. And uh, as a matter of fact, when I left the unit a while ago, they were counting books to see how many we had to deliver to different, oh, that's cool. different yeah. entities. Yeah, that's a and neat stuff. thing. And then the, the second quarter, we're going to try to tackle hunger. Uh, we've been breaking ground out at the facility to start a garden uh, so we can uh, provide some food to the the local food bank or the uh, yeah. concerned citizens so that uh, needy people in the in the county can can have some fresh produce we are, in that garden everything that will be grown out there will be donated to the local community you oh, know wow. we're in a food desert i i'd never had heard that terminology and then we just don't have a ready supply of fresh vegetables right and produce and unfortunately in rural environments we have fast food Mm-hmm. And fast food has a tendency of not being healthy. Right. And so what a great program to be able to produce something. There's a sense of accomplishment that you get whenever you grow something from start to finish, and then you're able to provide it to somebody. Yeah. And, and, and the men, they'll, they'll enjoy it. They'll get out there and they'll really enjoy uh, tending that garden, you know, and, and producing them vegetables. Mm-hmm. We've, we've had several volunteers to do that. I that's mean, cool. It, it's that important to them. And yeah. It gives them an opportunity to get out of the housing area and do something productive with their yeah. time. So, and give back to the community. Yeah, absolutely. Very absolutely. much so. I appreciate Just that. Just keep them busy. Yeah. Absolutely. What third quarter? The third quarter, we're going to look at mental health. Uh, you know, one of the challenges in, in the criminal justice system for years has been mental health. And a lot of these guys that are incarcerated uh, – some of it has to do with them trying to self-medicate themselves because there just hasn't been any programs out there. And, uh, you know, I think we know a lot more about mental health now than we did 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to see what we can do to help with the local community on that, on that, uh, for, that front there. And then the fourth quarter, we're going to look at homelessness and uh, see if, if we can assist with anything in the county to, to help some of the less fortunate people of Jack County. You would not think that homelessness would be a problem in Jack County, but it is. Wow. Um, I I can count on my hand. We probably have uh, probably 12 individuals that are truly homeless. And then it seems like I just noticed two individuals that are transient that were coming through our community. Um, you know, and, and I don't know whether they're heading to Fort Worth or they're heading to Wichita Falls, but it seems like we're a major thoroughfare um, for people that are that are transient. And it's it, it seems to be that it's a, a, a more reoccurring problem. Maybe I'm just aware of it now. Well, you know, in today's world, especially with the pandemic and, and people losing their jobs and their, 
their homes and all that stuff, it's more prevalent than it ever has been. Yeah. We just take that for granted. So I absolutely love that. I, I guarantee you I've I've become more aware or maybe um nah, I would say that's the right way to say it. I'm much more aware of the mental health issues and the homelessness that exist in our community. And I think that's that really deserves to be spotlighted. So I commend MTC for doing that as well. So what's a normal day look like at uh, Lindsay State Jail? What is what usually happens? What is what is a typical routine day for for not only for the employees and then also for your, your offenders that are there? Well, you know, unlike what most people see on TV, prisons are are, are very structured. Uh, you know, we have a, a building schedule that we operate by, and we have certain things that we have to accomplish in a 24-hour period. Uh, and that includes feeding everybody on the facility, making sure their laundry gets done, uh, any medications that they may need from the, from the medical department, their job assignments, all the things that have to be accomplished, educational opportunities, program opportunities, all those things. And it takes everybody working together as a team for us to accomplish all that. And what most people don't realize is, is we're really a city within ourselves. You know, we have, we have a, a food service department, we have a laundry department, a maintenance department, a, medica- uh, a medical department. And if we're not all on the same page working together to get people from point A to point B at certain times and accomplishing the things that we have to, um, then, you know, we're, we're creating a lot of chaos that's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, I, my hat's off to our staff. They do a fantastic job of working together as a team. Uh, you know, if we have a concern or an issue in one area, it affects all of us. Sure. And we have to sit down together and, and work those things mm-hmm. out. Warden Wick and, and the major do a great job of, of communicating with the other departments and making sure that everybody feels like they're a part of our team. Uh, you know, we have a, a, another contractor out there on the facility who operates our medical department, uh, and, and we have a great operating relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've worked on several units, and, and this is probably the best, the best relationship that I've worked with with the medical department. So. Uh, that's something we're proud of. It really is a city within a city, isn't it? It, it is, and like when he talks that's how about it has that, to operate. Yeah, and when he talks about that building schedule, there's so much that goes into it. You know, um, you talk about feeding and, and medication. You know, they have to be in, in in conjunction because some medicine you have to take with food. So we have to run that one pill window right behind when we run a, a, a one of our meals. Yeah. And so, I mean, it it there's there's so many different aspects you know we'll go to a warden and say hey we want to change this and like well think about this yeah we're like oh well never mind you know (laughs) but it has to be well it has to be well oiled and all that machinery that whole process has to just fit like a just a perfect puzzle and the pieces have to fit if not it could create chaos and prisons don't work well without structure that's correct yeah. I mean, it really is. And in addition to our building schedule, we're required to count eight times a day because we want to make sure that nobody. Goodness <laughs> gracious, eight times a day. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll make sure nobody took an unauthorized absence. For yeah. Us. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, and one of those counts is what we refer to as a bed book count. So we'll take the, the inmate's ID card and we'll, we'll visually compare that ID card to that person's face and they're on the bunk that they're supposed to be on. So, Wow. And that that's done uh, in the evening time. And that's so. a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I guarantee you. The only thing I know about inside the prison walls would be what I see on TV. 
And that's probably, we know that's probably not a realistic depiction of what a typical day is within the facility. No, sir. <laughs> not anywhere close, is no, it? No, sir. Yeah. Well, how did COVID affect you? What were some of the what were some of the biggest challenges? I I can't imagine uh, what that did to just your day to day operations. I mean, uh, how did that affect your facility? Well, initially, it it hurt our staffing tremendously, mm-hmm. um, and then we we have been climbing that hill ever since, trying to get our staffing numbers back where they need to be. Yeah, um, you know, we had to we had to in, implement some COVID nineteen protocols and and screen everybody that came in the unit, take their temperature, ask them all those questions. And, you know, unfortunately, we had some, some staff members that became COVID positive, and, and they were off of work for a period of time. And, and then we had some inmates that became COVID positive. And fortunately, we were able to get ahead of that and, and slow that down before it affected the entire facility. And, you know, we've been pretty fortunate. We've, we've done a pretty good job of, of keeping that stuff out of the facility for the most part. Um, you know, in addition to that, all of our volunteer programs, we had to shut those down. Visitation stopped. Wow. Uh, we, we weren't allowing any, any non-employees on the facility. Uh, and, and when you have a bunch of inmates that have a lot of idle time on their hands, uh, most of the time they don't use that in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So we had to try to come up with ideas to, to occupy some of that idle time. And Warden Wittort decided that, you know, it, the weekends that he worked, he was going to go out and rent some movies and – and show movies to the population. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we got with the education department. You know, I, I got a wonderful principal, Scott McPherson. And um, we got the teachers. We kept them at work. And we did remote learning to where we would create packets for the offenders to have and complete in their housing assignments. And then we would go around and collect them, pick them up, grade them, you know, make any kind of notes on there that we needed to make. And then the, the educators would get them back out to the sure. offender population. And so – our education slowed down, but it never stopped. Right. You know, so we, we, we were still able to get those guys graduating their GEDs, getting them going through their changes certificates and, and all, a bunch of other, um, you know, trainings that I talked about before. And we were able to show some religious videos uh, to our offender population. Yes, and, and then one of our volunteer programs, that Bridges to Life program, came up with a correspondence program that we were able to – to get out to the inmates and 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 that was very successful it, it really surprised me that that the inmates thought so much of that program that they would spend those many hours right. on their own doing that stuff together and right. and and they got a certificate for this correspondence course that they can that they can have with them and take with them so how much how much screening goes through your volunteer program whenever how, how much do you have to screen any volunteers that come through to work? There's there's a training program that they have to go through, and there's a, a course criteria that they have to meet. And you know they can't volunteer on any facility where they may have a, a loved one incarcerated or anything like okay. that. So, uh, but once they complete that training, then they're put into the the TDCJ database. And as long as they're in good standing as a volunteer, then they can go out and volunteer. So, have you been able to open up a little bit? Yes, sir. Uh, in fact, just just yesterday. Um, we started non-contact visitation back up and, um, you know, the, the offender families, it, it's, it's a little different than it was, uh, the offender family members, they will call and they'll set up a visit. Um, and we will screen them for COVID-19 and actually test them using a rapid test kit. And, uh, so they get to the visit about an hour before we'll go through all the screening and testing. Once they're cleared, 
they'll go in there and they'll have a one hour visit with their loved ones. And, um, but it, it will be a non-contact visit. You know, mm-hmm. they, they can't, you know, hold hands or hug or anything sure. like that. And we're, we're one day into it and I believe we're successful so far. Good. I know the, uh, the family members that did come out there and, and visit the men at the facility were very, very thankful, you know, because it, it's been a long time since they got you know, to actually see them. It's been a year. That's tough. I mean, yeah. it really is. And that, that's, that just puts an additional kind of burden upon the whole facility whenever sure. I mean that you're just basically cut off from any kind of interaction with your family members. Yes, sir. And that's that could be used as a reward or, or something to look forward to. So I'm, And, I'm and we've also been able to start back some volunteer programs yesterday as well. Um so we're we're testing those individuals when they come out for those programs. So And wow. we're in the process of setting up vis- video visitation as well. Yeah. You know, and, and so the changes are before it was it was just on Saturday and Sundays. Now they're doing it half a day on uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then all day on Saturday and Sunday. So they know that the that the visitation it the, the process will take a little bit longer. So they've extended the days to sort of help the family members out. Well, I really appreciate uh, you know Warden Wallace and Warden Watorik just giving us a little bit better insight, letting us kind of know what goes on out at the Lindsay State Jail. And I guarantee you, I'm pretty impressed with MTC. It sounds like uh, they've got a lot of super positive things. And I know our community appreciates it because I do see a partnership yes, between sir. that. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, for coming in and spending some time with us today and, and just li- li- allowing us to look inside the walls of the Lindsay State Jail. And so... I really appreciate it. It wasn't that bad, was it? No, sir. No, sir. It was horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. (laughs) And we want to thank you again for inviting us. Yeah, Judge. We really appreciate it, Judge. Yeah, I think it's fun. Frank, what do you think? I think uh, very nice. Did a good job. I agree with it. That might even come back again. Yeah. See, when they fully open up. Anytime. See, come back and give us a report. next time, I'm going to have them bring some fresh produce, maybe some Tomatoes or, tomatoes or something something yeah. like that that'd be that'd or, be really kind of cool or we can bring you a sack lunch from the kitchen there you go, there you go. <laughs> now i gotta say something all kidding aside i got last year they didn't ask me to come back so i wondered about that but <laughs> i got to be the judge at the jacksboro chili fest yeah and several of y'all had several entries we did and let me tell you what it was the best dead gum red beans i've ever put in my right. mouth but the best part was the cornbread. Yes, sir. And it was whatever that was. That was, I'm it was ha- gonna, jalapeno cornbread. I, I'm telling you, I almost said that it was better than grandma's, but it was darn close. <laughs> and it got my vote. And I'm yeah. telling you what, it was some of the best food I could ever put in my mouth. So yeah. that was fun. It, it was, was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they'll ask me to do the judging again. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for being a part of Get the Facts, Jack. Yep. We'd encourage each and every one of you to subscribe. Tell a friend. Uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, BeanPod, Google, Google Podcasts, iTunes. Pretty much everywhere. Everything. And make sure you subscribe. Push that button and hit subscribe. Yeah. You know That way you can be no- notified when you get another one. Every time something every comes time. out. All right, take us out. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. <laughs>